and join me on the B-side When movie stars that weren't in their prime Made other movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello, everybody. Welcome blah, blah. to a new episode <laughs> of the B-Side for the film stage. It's spooky. I'm making spooky sounds because it's October and people watching horror movies, except for me because they scare me. I don't like scary movies, but people tell me about them all the time. Um, <laughs> here we talk about movie stars not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. As you know, today we're going to focus on those lovely performers who played the famous universal monsters of the, what, the 30s, 40s, 50s, right? Is it all? Is it yeah, 40s, bas 50s? basically there was kind of like a, it was like the 30s and then a lull and then the Wolfman came out in the 40s and kind of brought it back for like a hot second. And then they kind of there kind of was a lull. And then I feel like the last major one was Creature from the Black Lagoon before before. Like, but that was the that was 54. Right. So no, 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 yeah. right. But I'm saying it's not it's not like they were jamming for three decades. Kind of it was I mean, it was it was always a cottage industry. Right. But I feel like uh, I feel I would, like I would. There were lulls in popularity. Right. Like, am I wrong? What's about your, that? That what's was your kind of, no, no you're, you're right. But I would add the asterisk that. The 40s was arguably the most popular time for them because when the Wolfman brought them back, the Universals were like, right. we're like, let's Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah, this, bring right, Marvel right, Cinematic Universe, right, right, right. And you get all the crossovers. Yeah. Frankenstein but meets 30s Wolfman. was like the boom of like, and yes. what's introducing people, characters and a lot of people don't know this. Kevin Feige's great grandfather <laughs> Kenneth Feige was running Universal at that time, so he, he, he was under the it. name Carl Lemley Jr. Yeah, yeah, a whole yeah, yeah, yeah. But his yeah. given name is Kenneth Feige, and Kevin went back to that name because he didn't want the Lemley, you right. know, um, of you know, get an easy yeah. road. Obviously, it, it, um, isn't there something I don't not to immediately sidetrack us, but isn't there something mildly comforting? about that concept a little bit because obviously like a lot of people like ourselves we've done it on this podcast like bemoan the state of whatever shared universes and all that shit and like i feel like for me doing research for this and like whatever it's like mildly comforting that it's like oh i guess audiences just always kind of fucking ate that shit up so like Maybe we'll be fine. <laughs> like, it, you know, it's I, truly nothing new. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, it's just nobody's done it on this scale before. But the but the negative aspect of that is obviously you know homogenization. And sure, they're all they all look the same. I mean, the there was a great tweet going around over the weekend when the new Ant Man trailer came out, where somebody posted a picture of the third Spy Kids movies where everything's on a green screen, <laughs> and they're all, uh, versus what the new Ant Man movie looks like. And it's like, yeah, they look exactly suppose, the same. I suppose that's right. the difference, right? Like in these movies, when you rewatch them, they're still even even when they're bad, honestly, yeah, it, there's a level of like craft that can be appreciated to some degree. Um, but even even rewatching uh, Brad Frankenstein. Couple oh, my God. Ago, the best. I yeah, one, the best. one does forget or at least I forgot that, you know, they really upped the production value from the first to the second. So like Brad Frankenstein opens literally right at the end of the first Frankenstein, but like 
the extras and the location and like the the track that the camera's running along to film like the fire and like the celebration of like they thought they killed the monster is like stunning i like forgot i was like and the monster also kills someone basically like three minutes in and so like like, yeah immediately and and so it's kind of it does bride of frankenstein does feel sort of like the like uh, blueprint for what people think of as like successful sequels it's like just bigger and better and just like more but in a good way uh, yeah that movie is yeah great so and um <laughs> and yeah and so connor i'm gonna let you kind of introduce everybody before we do that though let's introduce our lovely lovely friend and guest gavin mevius who gavin oh me oh we we <laughs> it's you you're you're a world traveler uh don't worry not the billy crudup b-side but you're, you <laughs> yourself are are a word i believe that's I, a bart freudlich movie <laughs> husband of julianne moore bart i'm glad you clar- i'm glad you clarified because i i i was immediately getting uh worried so <laughs> um but so what was i gonna say Gavin, we've had you on a bunch. We love you, obviously. The Mixed Reviews is the podcast that you and Louie have. But why don't you tell us tell us a little bit about it because you guys have been doing some new and cool things recently. So tell us about it because, um, you know, it's exciting. <laughs> Floor is uh, yours. So, uh, so the Mixed Reviews is a film podcast uh, for, uh, as Louie and I are slowly coming to terms with it, a film podcast, probably not for film people, <laughs> but it, it's a film podcast where we do an entire history. We take a film subject such as an actor, director, or mini genre. We take two weeks, watch as much as we can, do as much research as we can, and then we kind of regurgitate that all out to the audience. And it's very fun and very queer. And uh, yeah, and we love doing it. We've been doing it for about five years together. And so we decided to finally take the step to launch a Patreon, which is, seems to be the popular thing to do when you hit a certain milestone with your podcast. And so, yeah. And so what we're doing with the Patreon is we're just adding new content. Uh, nothing about our main show has changed, but we're doing updates and we're doing fun little videos and everything. So hopefully that uh, will entice people enough to join our little Patreon community. If you want the goods, you got to pay for it, people. <laughs> <laughs> I I did learn from the Patreon people. They were very clear with me uh, because they're very hands on. I will say, I, oh, shout nice. out to the, yeah, shout out to the people at Patreon. They're the ones who actually reached out to us to launch it. So uh, they were very much just like, hey, you know, when you talk about it, don't don't talk about money. Don't talk about payment or. Right. And I was like, oh, smart, smart. So. I've been trying to say the phrase community. Right. And I think that sounds just, nice. Just, just so. sort of address the value prop, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, well, thank you for, for joining us, obviously. Thank you, guys. I, it's weird that you're both being so nice to me. You do not have to be. I'm the guest. Well, we're usually <laughs> so mean to you. So yeah, it's, you're rotten yeah, to the yeah, core. Famously, famously so, yeah. Um, so... No, but obviously we, you know, we this is now the what second Halloween themed episode you've been on with us when we we did Peter Cushing, uh, what seems like a million years ago, um, and so yeah, this is one I, Dan and I have I think kind of loosely talked about doing for a while. Seemed like fun, um, and you know, as we've mentioned, we're going to kind of cover the main core group of actors who popularized, you know, what you would think of as the sort of core unit of universal monsters. Um, We'll keep it a little kind of loose just because it's a lot to cover. And, and frankly, a majority of the movies we watched are like not amazingly great. So, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but just to go through it really quickly. So obviously we're talking about 
Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff, uh, Claude Rains, Elsa Lanchester, uh, Lon Chaney or slash Lon Chaney Jr., depending on uh, the time in his career that you want to reference. But uh, <laughs> and Ben Chapman Jr., who is one half of the uh, the creature of Gilman from Cle- Creature from a Black Lagoon, um, who has kind of just a sort of sadly just non-existent career compared to uh compared to his other monster counterparts but um so the movies we're going to cover for bella lugosi we're going to cover a movie uh called murder by television from 1935 for boris karloff we're going to do a 1936 uh mystery called juggernaut uh for claude rains we're doing a 1934 sort of thriller uh, called Crime Without Passion for uh, Elsa Lanchester. Hers is a little bit different because she actually was obviously mostly a character actor. So we're going to cover, uh, I, to my knowledge, one of like the few times she was ever just a full on leading lady in a film, a 1944 movie called Passport to Destiny, um, a.k.a. Forrest Gump to the prequel, kind of. Uh, it's like a. What would you call it? A, a prelude? <laughs> Though by the S- end, similar. I feel like it's, it's like, I don't know. It gets, it's not, it's not it gets like pretty good. It's just it gets pretty good. Vibe wise, it's a little Forrest Gumpy. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, and then uh, for Ben Chapman, he had one other big screen credit to his name uh, in his career. And that was a bit part in a, uh, in a Johnny Weissmuller adventure movie called Jungle Moon Men. So we'll talk about that briefly uh, at the end. But um but yeah, I guess we'll start with, you know, we'll start with you, Gavin. I mean, obviously you're a, a big horror fan. What, what was, what's your relationship been specifically to like this kind of, you know, universe of monsters? I mean, I've, I've always loved the Universal Studios monster films. Uh, shout out to my friend, Tim, growing up, Tim Gagne, who kind of introduced them to me. And I think the thing that always connects, uh, people like me uh to to these monsters is the outsiderness sure. the 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 sort of there's um, a vulnerability to a lot of them exactly yeah. yeah and and uh you know i've also recently been watching the uh the great uh shuttered four-part documentary uh queer for fear and they've talked a lot about how like you know there's a lot of otherness mm-hmm. specifically contained in all of these monsters between frankenstein's monster and the bride and dracula and i think you know as a young person struggling with their identity, regardless of what that identity is. I think anybody can sort of relate to that. I think you obviously relate to it more if you're in a minority position, but I, I think that's what's always fascinating me about them is that they they are allowed to be, like they're not like a slasher running around killing people. They, they have a vulnerability, a humanity to them that makes them, uh, you know, easy to relate to because most of these films are kind of filled with people that are very kind of milk toast and boring. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> sure. Like, I, especially when rewatching the original Dracula, the Bella Lugosi Dracula, which I do every couple of years, I, it always strikes me at like how kind of non characters everybody else is. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Cause I don't think any other version of Dracula really presents that way. Like, especially when you watch something like Ford Coppola's, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm I'm sorry. Sophia Coppola's dad's Bram, Dr- Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, just so everybody knows who, who I'm talking about. 
Uh, I think, you know, everybody in that movie is presented as their own character, regardless of how you think they're pulling their performance, sorry, Keanu. Uh, but I Come think on, he, this guy, Keanu's so... going through enough right now. Gotta, <laughs> I know, I know. You gotta and drag obviously, him? obviously, I love Keanu, and if you listen to the Mixed Reviews Keanu episode, you know that, but like, <laughs> Budapest? I will say, I will say, <laughs> we, won't, we won't go down, I will, I also love Keanu. I do think, and this is the world we live in now, and that's okay, I guess, maybe it's not. The thing of like, actually, it's good with even with Keanu in that performance. I, I have to even be like, and I'm a very, I think I'm a very positive person. Kind yeah. of in that film space, I, I have to be like, well, look, let's, let's yeah, not go crazy a, here. I mean, listen, it's, you know, he's good in other period things, and we're not here to talk about that. But like, check out Dangerous Liaisons. He's pretty good in that. Exactly. Like, no, exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's not. It's just he made a choice, and we are left to live with it. But, but that's the but yeah but i think you know when you when you watch things like that or even the hammer dracula you watch these things and, and the the surrounding characters are are fleshed out in a way that that perhaps uh, they're not given the opportunity in the universal studios monster movies which also then gives you the thing to latch onto. i think maybe the best non-monster character presented in any of of the films uh, i'll give you two actually is i think dr frankenstein and james wales first frankenstein yeah. is very like colin, uh, colin clive yeah yeah colin clive's performance and i think is sadly slightly um informed a little bit with his own alcoholism um really like digs to a, a much darker deeper core and i think on the reverse of that when you get bride of frankenstein and you get you know Thessinger's performance as dr pretorius, pretorius like, yeah what a creepy yeah just and, and like queer yeah. co- coded to the max yeah. and, and just yeah it's it's all really interesting to to watch that sort of but that's that's the other great thing about the universal monster is they're so layered they're so you know they're working with the Hayes code not the original frankenstein not the original dracula like those were yeah. before the Hayes code but a- everything after that like the you know, they're so subversive. The Invisible Man, you know, it's great. He's the the the, the completely unselfconscious cackling villain that you don't get anymore. Um, and and so I th- I think you know that in combination with style and atmosphere, some people think those these movies are slow. I would say I don't know. You know, like they're so short though. It's amazing. They're so like, short. It's like, that's like, the that's thing. A, yeah, it's such a yeah. it's such a weird. Um, contraction of time when you watch these movies because they feel paced like a normal movie when you watch them they don't feel hurried or anything like that and then they end and then you're kind of like oh yeah that was like an hour and 10 minutes amazing exactly yeah and and like i get it the original dracula you know todd browning's dracula is very quiet if you don't watch the philip glass score so like you know, maybe watch it with a Philip Glass. Right, right. Because there's a lot of I don't know. Space I love that, that original Dracula. The Quiet, I think, is so good. I think, like, too. It, it's, I and find it's, it to be. I feel like it's by um, Brian. You get entranced almost like you're getting entranced by Dracula. It's sure. like a funny. I don't know. Like, that's how I always think of it when I've watched that, that original, uh, the Todd Browning one. Is like, you're kind of like, have you ever getting seen? um spanish dracula the the one that was filmed at the same time but it's on the criterion channel right now i keep meaning to watch it actually it's really good and it's very similar obviously the the style is a bit different because browning is a very specific style 
Uh, but once again, that's sort of what we were talking about with these with these movies versus some of the later franchise stuff where like they have a look to them and they, you know, every director brings something different to them. But the the great thing about the Spanish Dracula is for those that complain about the the slowness of these films, it it feels like a complete 180 uh, from Browning's version in terms of like it's very have quick you, and very. Have you ever seen Dracula dead and loving it? <laughs> of course I have. <laughs> Jonathan, uh, I <laughs> no, Lucy, I can't. I'm British. So are these. <laughs> yes, of course. I've seen Dracula Dead so. uh, Iconic. Is that Mel Brooks? It is. Yeah, it is Mel Brooks. Is. Right? He plays Van Helsing. He's great. Yeah. yeah he's, right, right. I think, That's probably last, the best part of that movie. movie. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was kind of things are starting to kind of peter out for Mel. Yeah. Right? yeah. From a that feature was, that standpoint. I think was like the last. That was, yeah, that was the last one, right? Yeah, yeah, last directorial effort, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and now, like, I, I always in my brain, I'm always like, they're still alive. They could direct. And then I'm like, Mel Brooks is in his 90s. Like, don't, yeah, don't, don't put don't, that poor man in that position. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> no, he's still no. alive because he stopped directing for me. Yeah. Like, um, but anyway, yeah, just diving into it. So first up for Bela Lugosi is a movie murder by television, like we mentioned um, kind of a fun one. I mean, I will say, like we said, like I just sort of mentioned, a lot of these movies, not unlike a lot of these B-sides, not unlike the Universal Monster movies themselves, all really short, all basically like an hour, maybe a little more in some cases. Um, and Murder by Television is essentially like a whodunit of sorts, um, but... It's got it features Bell Lugosi kind of almost confusingly playing a double role. It's a it's a double yeah. role that's like not immediately clear, but it's kind of supposed to be. I had to kind of, if I'm being honest, I had to rack back a couple times to be like, wait, what the fuck is going on? Oh, I literally just assumed I was like, okay, so they just introduced this in the last ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I didn't even know that there were. No, there's there's like was... one scene early on where he's meant to be a different person looking at a oh. newspaper clipping of the other Bella Lugosi. Interesting. Uh, and, and you're meant to see that that's a different, anyway, um, it's basically about kind of the, you know, the, the, a breakthrough and essentially like international broadcast television <laughs> and, and a murder of an invent of of the inventor of that technology that takes place sort of simultaneously. What with if you that. could watch TV from anywhere? Yes, it's basically is basically the thing. What a novel idea! And and then it be, just becomes you know like, like any who done it. It sort of tees up a few different people who might have a motive to to kill this inventor who does not want to sell his invention and everyone wants to make money off of it. Yada yada yada. And it kind of just becomes this thing of he he mysteriously dies while doing this live broadcast the presentation yeah uh, during the presentation and um and it just becomes a question of of who did it and um I think you know I mean the thing with Bella Lugosi is kind of maybe more so that I feel like he and Karloff are always the two people that people put right to the top in terms of like 
is it Bella or Boris? Like, you know, with, you know, like, it's like an clearly a, Boris. I agree. It's, I agree. It's but it's kind of like, it's who like says a, Bella? Well, it's no, like, a, it's like a Beatles Rolling Stones thing almost kind of, yeah. you know, I feel like. No, who like, says the Rolling Stones? I, there are people. <laughs> Monsters. I feel, like, I feel like there are people, but. <laughs> I, I love um, the Rolling Stones. I just think it's kind of not an no, argument. No, no, no. Uh, or maybe yeah. Beatles Elvis would be the better comp or whatever. I don't, you know. Who how, says However you want to slice it. No, okay. Yes, yes, yes. I'm happy. No, I mean, we were talking about this offline. I think the thing with Bella is like as limited as Karloff may have seemed in those roles, right? Which is like the mummy and Frank, you know, the monster or whatever. Um, uh, His other, his, uh, the, what he did outside of those roles throughout his career, even in his later career, right? Even, even, kind of especially in in his later, even in the later half of his career, you know, Target, you know, the Bogdanovich movie, right? And Targets rather. And, um, isn't that kind of, sorry, keep going. No, no, I'm just saying I just don't think, you know, as 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 striking as Bella Lugosi is, I think Murder by Television is a good example of his limitations because it's just kind of like there isn't he's not giving you a lot, right? He's just not yeah, giving it, you a I lot. I mean it's an, is, and I think it's thing. indicative I think it's indicative of the box people just kept putting him in. Yeah. Boris Karloff, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically once said of Bella Lugosi that like he's he's like the only thing i'd ever say ill about him and not you know he's not really attributing this directly as lugosi's fault but he kind of was like he never really kind of mastered like fully mastered the language like he never figured out how to like not sound like bella lugosi and and i think that's a pretty good point like i think the the thing with karloff is i think he he found a way to be like a little bit more of a chameleon and 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 at least adjacently like later on his movies with val luton that he does are all like for my money so good um he does them i'll just quickly spot checks like he does a movie called the body snatcher isle of the dead and then a movie called bedlam and he's great in all of them he does another separately he does another movie is isle of the dead the one that's based on the painting yes yeah yeah. that's a great yeah and it's a fucking it's such a good movie and even just speaking of double roles like Karloff gets a chance to do a double role in a movie called The Black Room, um, which is also very good. And he has a, and he just gets I mean, and again, this is not to say that Bela Lugosi falls short because it's his fault. It's just Karloff in the double role in The Black Room is just compared to this. He like actually gets to do more like he gets right. to play a good person and a bad person. And then he gets to play like one of those people playing the other person like it's. It's like a it's like a face offy kind of thing almost like you get to see him have like that level of like performances on performances on performances, which is a lot of fun. So just big recommend to those the, those movies I just mentioned murder by television. I think it's just kind of a I don't know, it it doesn't present itself also well enough as like a full on mystery, like the detective at its center isn't a compelling figure. So even if you're no. some, even if you're someone who likes ensemble whodunits like. It doesn't, yeah. It just doesn't anchor the only, itself the only in thing, anything that's like super yeah, compelling. The only thing that held my attention in like a way that was kind of just more than your usual, just casually watching an old movie. And I and I generally just like any old movie I watch. And I've said this before. These are also like, all on YouTube, by the way, so we can link to them and you can watch. Yeah, them like, we'll yeah. link. We'll link the, in the, the article. There is a very good reason why most of these movies have not been restored. And though I would like to see most of them restored, sure. but yeah. I mean, watching them, I was like. Oh, there's it's very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think but but with Murder by Television, one thing that did stand out to me is when you think about it being the, you know, 
early to mid thirties and sound is a new, is still a new thing. And even moving the camera is kind of outside of your big, you know, Griffiths and what have you. It's not as common. There's a couple of interesting moments, like when the detective scans the room of all the suspects and they yeah. literally just walk the camera yeah, you know, from face to face to face, and it's like a handheld shot. That was good. Like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that that's compelling. Like that when you're watching a movie from 19, what is it, 34? You're like, to me, 30, uh, you know, yeah. 35. Yeah. You're you're struck by that because you're like, oh, they're like trying something here. Like yeah. you're conveying a, you know, you know, a p a kind of a POV. You're inside his mind thing. That's not as common, you know, obviously it would become a lot more common. And um, there were a few moments like that that make it worth watching. But yeah, in general, it's kind of not, you know, in the world of whodunits, it's kind of on the lower end of a compelling, you know, type of a thing. So Yeah, and even, I mean, so just to kind of dovetail them together, like even our, our pick for Boris Karloff, which is this movie called Juggernaut, um, it's kind of similar. I mean, it's called a mystery, but it's like not... It's not right. a mystery. It's more of a thriller because, you know, it's not. It's I, I mean, I did like it, I did like it more. No, no, I probably because of Karloff. But no, no, but. I agree. And and so Karloff's a, li- a little. Uh, he he sort of basically presents in this one as like the mad doctor type to a degree. He's essentially a, a doctor named Dr. I keep wanting to say Pretorius because that's the guy in bride of frankenstein and this his name is dr sartorius um and he essentially has an experiment that he's working on uh in morocco i believe or something like that and and he he's basically run out of money to continue his work and in order to kind of keep things going he winds up striking a deal with a uh with the wife of a very rich man um who essentially basically wants her husband dead so she can inherit everything. But her husband is in ill health. So she thinks, okay, if we, if I get in with this doctor, we can kind of be in cahoots and I'll give him some of the inheritance is basically the general sort of gist. And Sartorius winds up hiring a nurse to help him. And it sort of becomes this thing of the nurse kind of figuring out what's going on as it's all happening. And, to your point, Dan, it is definitely more a um, relatively more compelling setup, at least the way it's laid out, uh, than, than Murder by Television. And 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 Karloff, yeah, has has an intensity to him um, that I think is just I, um, more inherent in in what he can bring to multiple things. Whereas like Bell Lugosi, like for those who don't know, I suppose, but like Bela Lugosi was like a stud, right? Like when he played right. Dracula, like Bell, like the reason to be clear, like the reason Dracula is sexy on screen is because that's like what Bela Lugosi brought to it. And so that like, as much as we were kind of dogging on him compared to Karloff, like cannot go understated. Like the reason you think of Dracula in any other iteration as being kind of this, 
Is Eminem. he not? Is he not presented that way in the Stoker book? I I have read. No, it. I don't remember. He's, he's not. not. He he has a long mustache. He has mm. long hair. Yeah, so he's, he's like more like he, he's more he, like Oldman from the yeah. Movie. He's he's very striking. Yeah, uh, he's presented as the, like magnetic, but not like right. not not erotic. Not like right? a high. And, and, yeah. and right. And and the whole like love story, the whole like Mina Harker being reincarnation, like that was invented for the Ford Coppola film. So I think a lot of people think of Dracula as this grand romance but truly it's it's not the most romantic couple you have in it is uh harker him jonathan harker and mina, and, mina yeah. and and their love is like very victorian and very chaste yeah and and you know lucy's presented more as the loose woman who has multiple suitors and um i i do want to can i be the boring history guy real yeah, quick please, yeah, for, just, please um you know you brought up how bela's big crutch was that he never adapted to the language and that's very true you know he's hungarian born he starts doing dracula on stage and he learns his lines phonetically and though the movie is different than the stage show uh for many reasons you know he's had he's lived this part he's lived this part for years he was doing it touring he was doing it and so i think that's why dracula ends up being probably his finest screen performance because he's had all this time to live in this character and, and, and to really present that character and i think when you get to something like murder by television, which is a movie I didn't like, and I I don't want to defend it in any way, shape or form, but especially comparing it with juggernaut as well is the interesting thing is when you remove the monster, the monsters from these men, there's still a lot of othering. And you you think about how Boris Karloff is half Indian. Mm -hmm. And, and so he had these very defined features that were not Caucasian features. And so when you watch these two films, you watch how people do sort of act as though they are not like them, specifically in murder by television, you get Bela Lugosi's character who only seems to get along with this racist Asian caricature who is a butler and the racist Black just character fair who warning is the to maid. our audience like there's a lot of that going on in a few of these yes. movies and it's, so it's of the time yeah. now, so now, now now in murder but that's hattie mcdaniel right hattie mcdaniel yeah, yeah. Pre, who, pre, pre-oscar winner oscar win yeah, yeah. Hattie and, McDaniel, and, yeah. and once again i'm not saying these are bad performances both no, of them no, no, are yeah. no they're exactly just very what they were directed to their do. time yeah, yeah they were super yeah. stereotypical performance and nothing could be more apparent to that othering than there's a scene and admittedly, they think he's a murderer, but there's a scene where Boris or Bela Lugosi in Murder by Television walks into a room and it's all white people and they all immediately turn and stare at him. And he has to make the joke of like, you know, like, oh, I guess, you know, this is awkward, sort of. And I think it's it's so interesting to watch that, you know, it's easy for an audience to relate to these sort of othered characters when they are vampires or, or or you know frankenstein's monster when you put them in human situations and admittedly like karloff's not playing a good guy in juggernaut but he is playing a guy with his back against the wall yeah sure. and and bail lugosi is kind of playing a good guy i guess one of one murder of them one of them one of them, one one of them is. murder by television is unfortunately so confusing that yeah. it's hard to get around. like he's it's also the worst. i mean mild spoilers he's also like a surprise like state department 
And right. like, off, and it's, know, wait, anyway. it's the worst kind of mystery where like no one could possibly have guessed the result. And I'm not going to say <laughs> what the result is, but when the explanation comes about, it's like, wait, what? And then yeah. also midway through the movie, a device that can like determine if you're a murderer is introduced. Yeah, it's like a what? super lie detector. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. Uh, but <laughs> but it is interesting to see the way that the, these people like Boris Karloff, you know, is able to be blackmailed by this woman, Mona Goya. Uh, well, Lady Yvonne Clifford, which played by Mona Goya, who is the worst, um, like just like scenes, entire scenes were devoured by her. Acting. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but well, she's trying to like blow Karloff off the screen a little bit. And, right. Like, right. I and guess it kind of works, but not. in the oh, positive this is, sorry, way. this is the <laughs> this is the, the wife. Yeah. The yeah, French wife. Yeah. Who's Ooh. like, yeah, that yeah. is. A truly a performance to forget. And that is a tough. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think but I think the thing is that makes it easy for her. Like, it's never really said why Karloff can't get funding, you know, and why he can't fund his own um, his own like research. And I think, you know, once again, that goes back to like he is seen as other. So it's very easy. Right. For There's this a white coded woman. implication there. Yeah. Yeah it's very easy for this white woman to sidle up and be like, Hey, if you kill my husband, I can fund your research. And that's, you know, sorry. I know that's a long rant, but I think it no, all sort no. of, con- I think it all sort of connects back in. I think that the thing, the one person and we're not there yet, but I think the one person who escapes all that is Claude rains. Yeah. And the reason he ends up escaping all of that is because in his movie, he was literally invisible. <laughs> so, <laughs> No, it's a great I, point. No, it, it, no, it, it is a point well taken. And I think like, you know, there's. And also was 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 Claude did Reigns become famous because of the Invisible it Man? Was only was a, he... It was only it was a second movie. Oh, wow. it was yeah. a second movie. I always, yeah. I always it, think of it and I think of it wrongly, obviously. I always think of it like Reigns was already a star. No, but no, no. He, he he truly is kind of the. Like in terms of the success story of any, and I obviously, yeah, all of these people became huge stars because of these properties. So it's not like, you know, except maybe for Ben Chapman, but like, right. you know, so it's not like any of them were going to the poorhouse for a minute necessarily. But in terms of like what what people would deem actual like cultural and critical success, I feel like reigns. Yeah, it was uh, the only one. Yeah, became, but but yeah, but it's so funny because you also have like versus these other people who are you know poor karloff when he was frankenstein's monster he had to sit in a chair for hours under makeup and yeah and and you don't really hear like oh he complained you don't really hear you know elsa lanchester complained a lot about having to do this and then you get to claude rains who's the second film role but also a huge stage actor yeah and you get things like you know him sh- shitting on the movie because it, you never see him uh uninvisible until the very end and then he's like and you never see my best feature which is my eyes because i'm dead (laughs) and it's like you know like the ego on claude and admittedly i love claude like i love don't you think maybe that's why he escaped a little bit like right right? like it's kind of an interesting not not to necessarily justify anybody potentially being a prick or whatever but like right no and i I don't think he was like terrible it seems to track in an interesting way when you think about that um yeah and yeah we can move on i will just say i mean yeah i i think to me i thought juggernaut was a fun watch like we said it's not entirely successful in terms of all of its performances but i think it's you know it's it's an hour long i think it's fairly compelling and even the bad performances are kind of a a thing to it does 
it does a thing that old movies tend to do that I like more than what new what newer movies do, which is they rush to the finish line. Like, <laughs> yeah. where, like, but I prefer that to yeah. now. Sure. Where it's like, it, it, it's like in the I, last two minutes, it's like four huge thing happens, then it's like the. And, and you're like, okay, and it's funny. That was well, lot, I mean, the, but, yeah. the, the last thing that happens, which I won't mention, but there, there's a significant reason that this was a British film and not an American film because that ending couldn't have taken place couldn't have in, taken an American place. Film in an American film at the yes. time. Yes. And yes. I had to, I literally had to Google to figure out what happened because it's so quick. Yeah. And obviously, no, because I, it's I, such I, a yet, dark yet ending. Yet another one I had to rack back because I was like, wait, yeah. I like literally looked down away for two seconds. It was like, the fuck happened? Uh, <laughs> the end? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and, but speaking to, I think what you're talking about, Gavin, like with the Hayes Code, uh, Legion, to, Legion of Decency, all that stuff. Our next movie, our Claude Rains picture, literally, I, I, it, it's the same year as the start of the Hayes Code, I believe. Yeah. Right. And so I don't know, I, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn, so I don't know if it like squeaks in or whatever, or if it is maybe one of the first movies that has to find its way around it. Um, I will say, I think this movie, it's Crime Without Passion, um, is probably my favorite of the ones that we covered. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with, like we said, Reigns is just Claude Reigns rules. I think Gavin, you and I were talking off mic just about how like he's kind of sneakily like maybe one of the greatest actors of all time. Like you just yeah. just insofar as like you don't really think about him. And then but when you actually like think about what he's doing in all his movies and his general body of work, it's like very impressive. Uh, a few weeks ago. I was watching, I watch Casablanca every year on my birthday. And so a few weeks Aww. ago I was watching it and I was chatting with Dan while I was watching it. And we were talking about how Claude Rains in that movie, it's such an impossibly well calibrated performance in Casablanca because like it's, if any other actor was giving it, you'd be like, oh, they're putting a little too much sauce on it. Like, and it's, <laughs> and it's, it's so it's, and he's putting a lot on it, but it's so smartly done and so deftly done. And he still fits exactly into the movie that he's in, which I think most people giving that performance wouldn't be able to do. It's probably one of my favorite performances ever given by an actor in that movie. Um, and even in later, <clears throat> later on in sort of the universal monsters of it all, which I guess sort of doesn't count as a monster movie, but his Phantom of the Opera. Um, it does. It does. And I, I well, you know, what I, I mean, like it's just I, not, I like that I pulled up the finger for that. Yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> Gavin I is think, wagging his finger at me, by the way. Right. I, now. I think that Claude Rains fan of the opera, even though not as well remembered as it's Lunching, very good. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, I, I just think that like now, Minnie Driver is in that one. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Minnie Driver. Well, she plays Cor all the roles. Yes. Except for Claude right. Rains. Which yeah. I always forget. Um, yes. Yes. Um, I think. The unfortunate thing is, is like it's not so much a horror movie in comparison to yes. the yeah. the Lon Chaney one, and and it's a little Lon it's Chaney, more of a costume drama, basically, right? Yeah, and Lon Chaney famous for the makeup that he did himself and yeah. the way that he was able to contort his face and everything, and but I think that you know for a large portion of the world, the the Claude Rains version is actually the version that like left more of an impact, you know, for years there was fan of the opera parodies and things where his face is scarred that all comes from the yeah the claude sure. rains one it's not 
you know, it's not a birth aesthetically, it's right? Not, like aesthetically, yeah. I think people's idea, if it obviously doesn't go to the Broadway show, if you're leaving right, that out of right. it, but but but, I think, but even the Broadway show has, feels like it pulls from this. I was going to say, I think it has a lot of influence yeah. on the Broadway show, and then, so and, and we won't obviously dwell on it because it's not really a B side. But like, if you haven't seen the Universal Fan and the Opera. Uh, it's amazing to look at. Every frame is basically beautiful. It's such lush Technicolor. Claude Rains gives such a good performance. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's again, it, I think if you go in with the asterisk of that, it is a little, it's not quite as like a, it's not geared as much of a horror movie as the other movies in, in sort of this canon are, but, um, well worth a watch. It's streaming in a, a few different places. I think it, I think it's on like Peacock too. If you if you uh, have um, if you have that. But question for the group: Have any of you, have either of you guys seen Man of a Thousand Faces? The Cagney, the movie? Cagney? where he plays no. Lon Chaney. It's a, I for, I for it's some a, reason have missed my chance to watch that movie many times, and I think it's because I'm so my brain is so steeped into the Universal stuff, and I've done it's so much research. It's such a strange movie where you're getting like one of the biggest stars but he's but he's like past his prime right it's like the late 50s playing you know the biggest star of what the 20s and 30s you know yeah what I mean? right, it's like, right right and um and it's a very standard biopic right it's not you know i i it's one of the first like old movies i ever saw i can't even tell you why i think i like taped it off TCM when I was very young for some reason uh, I, I believe the, had... the answer is because you're very cool I think that's, that's what it is. <laughs> I don't even know if I knew who Lon Chaney was. You know what I mean? I think yeah. I just like watched this movie Almost about played this Dracula, guy. By the way, Lon Chaney. Cagney? Oh, no, Lon no, no. Chaney. Lon Chaney was literally. Oh my going... God. Can you imagine Cagney's Dracula? Sorry. <laughs> I know that's a huge. <laughs> I like... want to suck your blood. Your blood. What's up? Hey, give listen, it to me. Here's li- a tap number. Ah, <laughs> uh, listen to these creatures of the night. What music I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. I'm gonna suck your blood. Whoa, Jimmy! Jimmy. Hey, hey, is that garlic there? No. Speaking oh. of speaking of putting sauce on it, Cagney, the bottom baby. of the neck, ma. Bottom of the neck. <laughs> oh, I hate myself. Um, anyway, I love you. That's but no. Why I love you. Uh, Lon Chaney was almost gonna play Dracula, and what Gavin alluded to before when Bela Lugosi was like lobbying really hard to to reprise his stage role. He was basically trying to get it from Lon Chaney, and then Lon Chaney got fucking throat cancer and died. So Bella no. Lugosi, yeah. which famously Bella caused. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> sorry, but yeah, back to Claude Rains, um, Crime Without Passion. It's a Claude Rains plays basically a, I want to say ambulance chaser. That's not the right word, but he's basically like an attorney who is he's a bit of a snake and he's yeah. his he's, whole... he's he's kevin lomax from the devil's advocate yes exactly exactly he is my, he my favorite thing he does as a lawyer which could never be done is he gives his closing arguments and then and then leaves, leaves. It's, no it's so, he it's, doesn't it, even stick it around is, to hear the prosecution truly i think truly an amazing character introduction because you're like <laughs> this fucking guy no so he he's he's a lawyer uh, Lee Gentry is his name. Great smarmy lawyer name, by the way. Um, and he's known as like the defender of the damned, right? So people who are like for sure going to death row because they're either definitely murderers or or whatever it is. He's just known as like always being able to find the the loophole that that gets them off the hook. And so that's his whole mo. He's very good at it. Claude Rains is like perfect for the role, and essentially. 
he base it you're what you're basically watching is like a movie about a, a man and his whole thing just unraveling right like yeah. is is the movie i what did i say to you dan off mic i was like oh it's sort of like a it's like a a proto james toback movie kind of like it's a little bit like the gambler or fingers or even like a little like uncut jemsy yeah. like if yeah. you like that format of movie um that's what yeah, this panicked, is it's you know panicked tension yeah, movie, and it's all contracted right. over a relatively short amount of time, kind of thing. Um, yeah, the house of cards is crumbling. Yeah, it, it, movie. it's that yeah. it's that kind of movie. Um, and so basically, he, it, you know, it's it's his philandering and all that type of stuff that essentially catches up with him. Ultimately, resorts in a in a death, let's say, because it's not, but it's a death that basically looks like a murder, and he has to kind of snake his way out of it and it's sort of a fun thing because he you know it becomes this thing of he knows all the loopholes he would need to to sort of get out of this so you see him kind of trying to line up those dominoes uh and i will not spoil whether or not they fall down correctly but um but it's a kind of a wild fun movie and i brought up the haze code before because it opens with this very like (laughs) ethereal uh mentions of like the Furies and how the Furies are inside of us all making us all evil and do bad things, which to me feels like a very haze Cody thing, right? Yeah. Of like, we have to just couch all this and like people do bad things because the devil made them do it kind of thing right. or whatever. I mean, it, it's the, literally like toil, toil, blah, blah, yeah, yeah. trouble, right? Macbeth witches, right? But it's the like, way that it opens, it opens with all these sort of crazy dreamlike, almost, you know, Maya Darren-esque visuals. Yes. Of, yeah. Of, of, of. It's. It, it's very German expressionist. Yes, these, yeah. they're they're supposed to represent the Furies. Yeah, you know, and they they like burst forth from the blood of violence from yeah. these men murdering women, and then they go and they come back down to earth yeah. and smash. And just through, a, a, a very, wild way to open your legal yeah, thriller. You know what I mean? I like, loved it. No, I, I was too. like, I, I was too. like, more movies should be this ballsy. Yeah, I, nowadays it's. I tried to look and see if this ever got some sort of a remake in like the heyday, specifically of like maybe like the eighties. 90s of like yeah. pulling pulling stuff because like it this. could it, it is like erotic thriller fodder oh no even though this is somebody, not an erotic somebody should thriller. have free idea yeah. for whoever watch this movie and somebody should remake it because it's like it's such a good premise this i mean this version alone is very well executed on that premise we should say it was uh written uh or sorry it was directed and written by ben hecht who you know right. y- you would know from collaborations this is his with his first directed movie yeah right but the, uh, the let it be known the cinematographer whose name escapes me at the moment um claims to have directed 90% of the film oh is that, that true is, yeah lee he Gain, said that lee garns lee garms yeah lee garms he, he yeah. said that ben would show up at 9 a.m. and spend 2 hours telling him how he wanted everything done and by 11 a.m. they'd start shooting and ben would leave yeah, I mean, okay, <laughs> like, sure, sure. So you know what, you know what Ben did. Ben pulled a fucking Lee Gentry. He fucking gave his closing <laughs> argument, and then he was like, "I don't need to stay. I'm out. I'm yeah, gonna go, I don't need I'm gonna to, go I don't get need a martini. To. We'll talk." Um, I I will say this uh, just on the topic of this and, and the two others prior to this, and actually the the Lon Chaney one, which I know we have a film in between, but I, I watching these made me realize like, oh, the reason we don't get films like this anymore, specifically these three and, and the, these four actually is that television 
replace that. No, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like, like this is like you said, it's a straight up legal thriller. It's done in an hour. You know that these two early mysteries with Lugosi and Karloff, this this one with Lon Chaney Jr. later on, this like a gangster, excuse me, this gangster cop film. Like, I was just like, yeah, these hour long B pictures. The reason we don't have them anymore is literally te- television. Yeah, they be- television does it. Yeah, like these are all well, even and even jungles yes. and even the Jungle Gym movie we're gonna get to that that the one the moon men movie that we're going to talk about was like the 14th or whatever of the junk that was on tv right, right? by the yeah. time the one we're going to talk about that johnny weissmuller's in right they just put it on tv by then because it was like there had been 13 before that were in theaters to some capacity and yeah. then there was like three more that they just put on tv so to your point like in real time it, it's what they it's what they became. you know that yeah. is that serial like became just like yep it's just you know Watch it on your television, right? So, um, but um, but yeah, this is definitely the best of the movies. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's. I mean, I'm glad. It, like, I always love when this happens when we do these things where we just dig up something that it's like, oh wait, this fucking rules. Like, I so I'm glad. It's. I'm glad yeah. we found it. It's incredibly worth people's time to seek this out because not only does it have those great German expressionist hallmarks that like at, at this time would be kind of passe. Yeah. You know, that like, I I think, you know, you have this and maybe son of Frankenstein, the third Frankenstein movie of the last sort of like champions of the, of these German expressionist techniques. And then also you have Claude Rains's incredible fucking performance. He's so like, good. He's it's, so good in it. Yeah. And, and it, it makes it like, uh, like, such a joy to watch it never like you never feel you know yeah like you're, it, it, it's very modern it got his performance it, from what i could from what i could find and obviously with movies this old it's hard from what i could find of like the reception of it it was basically well received yeah and it, it does it made a couple top 10 lists it does of the year i get it i get it it does feel like his does it? If, I mean, you mentioned what Reigns kind of said about the Invisible Man. Like this feels like him being like, "Yeah, fuck you, I've arrived." Like him just being like, "No, like this, this is what I can do." And he, he just literally like barrels his way through this whole movie, and it's so, I don't know. It it really is. I mean, all the things we've been saying about him, like I think it's just the kind of thing of it's that kind of star making performance. And right. I, and I know that the Invisible Man was his star making performance, but like to actually see him on screen, it's the kind of star making performance that you look at some, you know, movie stars earlier in their career, and there's that performance where you're like, oh, they all they had all of it right here, right? And this right. this is what that is for him, and it's the movie he made right after the Invisible Man. So, um. It's it's tough too because and we didn't even talk about Belagosi's tragic end, but he had a tr- kind of tragic end of his life, which is not presented in the movie Ed Wood, even though I I love the movie no, Ed Wood, but it is isn't it it's kind a complete of a lie? Isn't it kind of a bummer? Like yeah. like like he, I mean he had a wife and kid, a very young wife and, yes. and kid um who were with him at the end and he did check into rehab and there so he did attempt to get yeah. help for his problems. And the reverse of that is, you know, like uh, Rain's final film is the greatest story ever told. He plays King Herod and 
that's his last film in 65. And then he, he like moved with his family and became a farmer and he just couldn't get work. And part of that was his own alcoholism. And he ends up dying of cirrhosis of the they liver. All, his, they, I mean, not to, yeah. I, I don't want to, well, I don't know about, but, but, I don't know about Elsa, but they all basically became yeah. like raging and, alcoholics. And Elsa lived a good long time. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give, I'll yeah. give her that. But the, the, but like his daughter famously said about Claude Rain's death is that he died like many actors waiting for his agent to call. And that's oh, so brutal. Sad. Oh, that's God, very uh, sad. So. And, and Bella was kind of similar. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I, like you mentioned, very similar. Met to a very sad. And well, and Kar- Karloff too. I mean, well, to a yeah. the difference though is Bella got Ed Wood and Boris Karloff got Peter Bogdanovich. Right. Yeah. Like exactly. No, I know, but even, I, but and, yes, but he, but even, but but I do think what gets a little forgotten is like when Targets came out, it was like a corman thing right that, i was gonna that, say it's the the corman of it all you know which 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 people is good and he and i do think he got good notices at the time but it wasn't a hit nobody saw it right it's it, it spark, point is spark was notably proud of the movie though i guess yes, is my yes, point yes, too yes, like yes, he yes. was he was it fell and, Karloff, he, and then in the 70s he became like a man on television right like he yes, was right. Right. am yeah, i right about that yes, he was correct. like yeah, always and, and kind a of lot of that things is, and... is owed to corman yeah. because corman kept casting him in things and, like the raven and, and the terror Price and, and yeah the terror yeah. And, and and giving him more opportunities to play the things that he never got to play when he was a younger man yeah. a lot of those people forget a lot of those roles uh even though they're horror movies a lot of them are comedic horror films you know so yeah. so he's getting laugh lines in a way that he really didn't get a chance to because because he got the typecasting of, you know, Frankenstein's monster. Well, and that all kind of started. I know we're kind of going all over the place, but that also I feel like for him also started when he did Arsenic and Old Lace on Broadway. Right. Like, yeah, he he admitted he literally makes a, a verbal joke about being Boris Karloff. Right. And yeah. Uh, and but anyway, the the interesting thing, though, is like, yeah, Boris Karloff kind of at least had this continued career. Bella basically like got fucked by HUAC and like blacklisted and then just yeah. kind of had a vi- to the point where it, it kind of became like Bella was popping up in Karloff movies like that movie, The Body Snatcher that I mentioned before, like it's a Karloff movie. Karloff's amazing in it. It's a great performance. And Bella Lugosi pops up in it too. Also very good in like a smaller performance. They share one very like ch- yeah. chilling scene together that is um, truly amazing. But I, do, but I do feel like you can watch Karloff kind of outact Lugosi yeah, in yeah. that scene. And, it, and part of that is once again, like I feel bad like bringing it up because it, it's not like, but like Bella's grasp on the language was soft. Uh, and, it, was and, a hindrance. So, it was just a hindrance yeah. to him, even if it wasn't his fault. But um but yeah, and I so it's in, it's been interesting to watch these like movies and movies around them and see kind of how they all charted because Bella Karloff kind of gets out for the most part. He comes back occasionally to like play little bit parts in different Universal monster movies or whatever. But but other than that, like Bella and Lon Chaney Jr. and I suppose we can use this. Well, we got to get to Elsa first, but th- they kind of keep popping back up in each other's roles, right? Like you know, basically as some version of the mummy or Frankenstein's monster. But anyway, crime without passion, Claude Rains, definite, if, you know, like I said, we can link to all of these, but if you're going to watch one of them, I would say watch this one because it's very good. Can I, can I end him on a positive note? Yes. We're going to move on. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, He, 
for as kind of vain as he was, he was also everybody that worked with him loved working with him. Betty Davis famously said he she was his he was her favorite scene partner. Mm. And John Gilgood was a student of his and famously said, yeah, the best actor I've ever worked with was uh, Claude Rains. Unfortunately, uh, he failed and I guess had to go to America and <laughs> as, a, as a joke. But like but he he recounted at one time he was at a Betty Davis tribute and they were showing a bunch of clips of her movies and nothing got a bigger round of applause than when Claude Rains appeared on screen. So. Oh. That's nice. Yeah, no, he like I said, I think I think in in watching these movies and 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 even just like I said, recently rewatching Casablanca, I just kind of I'm always struck by he's like sneakily one of the hundred greatest yeah. people who have ever been on screen. Um, he was a true he was a true leading man who kind of had a, a character actor's career. Yeah. Which, you know, yeah, for, no, for better or worse. That's well said. Yeah, that's well said. Um, speaking of leading people who actually had a character <laughs> actor's career, uh, next up we have Elsa Land, Elsa Lanchester. Um, oh, the best, truly the best. Yes. Like, yeah. like I, if you've ever seen a movie where Elsa Lanchester is a, is a side character, you know how easy it is for her to steal any scene that she's in. I mean, I mean, I, she got always, nominated twice for it, basically. Yeah. Um, I always think of her in Bell Book and Candle, uh, you know, just a truly gifted the camera loved her she loved the camera a great stage actor as well like you know such a such a shame that she's dead but also we all die so well, right <laughs> and 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 she yeah it's i i hate to you know i don't know with this, some of this stuff i don't want to impose on anybody in terms of like you know uh, or in terms of like you know it's a shame she did she wasn't a lead more but like yeah. i don't know maybe that's I, who's to say whether or not that's something that she wanted I, i'm not i'm not right. entirely sure I, um uh, listen her personal life very complicated i was gonna wait till we got through the movie but let's, let's no we can kick off with she, her life she, yeah. she she you know she's the daughter of um socialist pro-union essentially what would be considered hippies who are also abolitionist vegetarians they never married so she was very proud that she was a bastard she was raised in music halls she was the only girl in an all-boys school when she, growing up like oh, she Jesus. was yeah she was fascinated by um women who performed as men at the dance halls like she had the greatest upbringing so she, she you know she was always attracted to these um you know, kind of theatrical outsidery people. And she meets Charles Lawton and they get married, you know, pretty early on in her career, um, 1929, uh, which she only started acting in 25. Um, and essentially they have a lavender marriage. He was, she wrote about this. So yeah, I'm not talking yeah. tales know, out to of be school. Clear, she, and also they, they, he was gay. Yes. By all accounts she, I could found her. There's a little bit more of a question mark. Yeah, yeah, she's never admitted she uh, admitted to like possibly having, a, you know, a side relationships. But it, it sounds like if she was a member of the queer community, uh, the, she'd actually probably be labeled nowadays more as an asexual. It seemed like she right. was very uh, not into it. Yeah. Like she often wrote about how she hated women who had to have sex all the time and was set out to prove that that wasn't part of her life. And it's so funny so, how that tracks with her only few minutes on screen, Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. Like she when, literally when pops up and she's just like, nah, no thanks. Like, <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Not into this. Um, and, uh, and so like, she, she, 
herself is incredibly fascinating. She's perhaps maybe the most fascinating out of all this litany. Of I would men. Ag- I would agree. Um, but it's so funny because, uh, you know, I think I think a lot of people get weird when you when you talk about the queer life of people who have passed. And I, I just want to put it out there, not just for your listeners, but for everybody um, talking about somebody's queerness after they've died isn't a negative thing. <laughs> and, sure. and if you think it is, you're saying that being queer in itself <laughs> is some way a negative. Right. And unfortunately, like so she talked about this and she she wrote two memoirs, one about Charles Lawton and her and then one when she was 80 about her life. And that's when she revealed that he was gay and that they their marriage. She married him in order to to keep the rumors from happening which didn't wasn't absolutely true because he he wasn't exactly no, it was like one it. of those worst kept secrets kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and so it's it's such an interesting you know because she she truly thought he was a good friend of hers I, I think a really shitty thing maureen o'hara when the book came out and and elsa lanchester said you know charles oh yeah was she like and, refuted it she was like yeah no, she was like wasn't. no the reason yeah. they never had children was that elsa lanchester had an abort had an abortion and it left her barren when she was uh, back in her burlesque days and elsa lanchester countered with yeah i've had two abortions in my life and one of them was charles's so right like uh, you know that uh, this is all old hollywood gossip but i i just think it's important to like know the kind of person she was because i think it also informs the the roles that she played and i think also part of what she thought as part of her duty even though she came from parents who were not married i think she thought as part of her duty of marrying charles lawton was to play second fiddle to him and so they do 12 movies together yeah. possibly 14 uh, somewhere in there and i think that's when she becomes perfectly comfortable not being the center of attention because acting was such a, a hard thing for him you sent that great interview she did with dick cavett where he's you know, he would get so frustrated playing these roles that he would tell the director, like, the only way I can continue this role is if we go back and reshoot the first three weeks of shooting. Right. And so I, I think because she saw the stress that it put on this man that she she loved you know, enough to marry, that it, it, it kind of became easier for her to be like, I'll just do the bit stuff like you are the star. And 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 it's like you said, pays off for her. She gets nominated for like witness for the prosecution. Right. Yeah, I was going to say she ends up with two Oscar nominations and for best supporting actress, come to the stable. Previously mentioned witness for the prosecution. After he dies, she has a great career with Disney between Mary Poppins, that darn cat, Blackbeard's Ghost. Um, I mentioned Bell Book and Candle. You know, I love that she's also, you know, in the horror movie Willard, and nobody ever talks about that. The movie about the (laughs) rat. And um, um, and. You know, she's a, I think she's really fantastic in Murder by Death, which is a movie that's unfortunately hard to watch because it is has a lot of racism in it. Uh, but uh, am I, I think miss, her, do I misremember that movie? Doesn't that movie, though, kind isn't the joke? It, it walks. That the, it, it, it walks. It's the almost line. like a Robert Downey it, yeah. Jr. in Tropic Thunder thing where like the joke yeah, is it's, that it's it's not quite as layered. Yeah. And it would be nice if it was. Yeah. That OK, layered, so but, I, wait, like, sorry, which which movie is this Murder happened? by death? Murder by Death. It's, oh, yeah. No, it's not. And as it's that's the one. That's the one where where. Peter Sellers is like the Charlie Chan character. Yeah, right? it's Which, pretty, yeah I, I think also the negative thing of that is like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to cast a white person and put them in race makeup, which you should not do, but if you're going to do that and, and you're going to layer it, you also can't do it with somebody like Peter Sellers, who is a great actor and truly love a lot of his work, but had a pitch it for, for yeah, doing, doing race makeup, yeah, you yeah, know, painting yeah. himself many colors. And, yeah. and it's like, it's so it's hard to like blur the line sure. of 
the but fantasy. But she's like the Miss Marvel you know. character, right? In yes. That movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I always that. wish that movie was better. Murder by Me Death. Too. It's a good idea. Me too. It's a very good idea. <laughs> I mean, it's a clearly a good idea because we wouldn't have Clue without well, that's it. Clue is yeah, my favorite. That's movie. a great point. But but like Cl- like in the Clue world of in the world like in the pre Clue world of those types of like you know the cheap detective murder by death yep. um uh, you know post the Lumet um you know uh murder murder on the Orient Express the one I like the most is Death Trap. You know, Death with, Trap uh, with, so Death with Trap Michael so Caine. I rewatched and, uh, that history. recently, uh, or not? It's also I very it funny, time, and it's so I very think, funny. I think, a lot, of, it's very I think funny. a lot of people forget that Death Trap's a comedy. Yeah, Chris uh, Christopher Reeve is so fucking good in that movie. Um, yeah, I don't know that Reeve is ever as good as he is in that movie. It's a great, it's a truly great performance. Um, you know who's not in that movie? Elsa Lanchester. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think, I think. Um, I did enjoy, like, I think what I was saying, I think earlier in the episode, the further along this movie gets, the more The movie I is Passport it. to Destiny, just as a reminder, yes. from 1944. I made a Forrest Gump illusion before, and you'll see why in a second, but uh, she played, Lanchester plays Ella Muggins, who's like a cleaning lady yeah very much very um, much a chimney a chimney sweep uh accent um i could do that i'm italian yeah yes sure sure you can uh <laughs> i can do that i'm italian i'm also <laughs> irish so i guess in the way of, you know being not, offended not by english yeah, people stumble your Irish people english people they have a thing so if i'm if i'm being antagonistic you know i'm irish i love so it i love it dan's just dan's just reducing like uk uh, politics uh, irish people english people they had a thing yeah they it's certainly come up they, a lot it's come up a lot with the death of the queen they, is they why certainly I had a thing um anyway and speaking of the death of the queen elsa Amen. and we're back um no she plays a cleaning woman her late husband kind of technically played by charles lawton because he shows up in a photo um her late husband uh she's sort of sharing these these uh anecdotes about her late husband having a lucky magic eye that he got when he was in india i believe uh is what she is what she mentions the anecdote says and um and that it saved basically saved his life from crocodiles so he never went anywhere without it and essentially to uh, according to her kind of lived a charmed life because of it right and um so she winds up kind of finding this magic eye in his uniform in the attic she sort of gets nostalgic she looks at his old uniform and uh and she finds the magic eye and so she has an honor but doesn't know that she has and during one of the again this is during world war ii so during one of the german bombings basically her neighborhood gets like blown to smithereens and she survives and she then finds the magic eye on her and she realizes like oh my god like this is crazy i can do anything right and she essentially basically sets out to give that Hitler a piece of her mind is, <laughs> is basically is what it is. Right. Am I miss right? No, this, no, that's she the sneaks plot of the movie, she's, right? is, is basically the thing. No. Yeah, you're right. She sneaks um, on a carrier. She sneaks on a carrier. Um, the, 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 the guy running the boat gets upset that she's a stowaway and that's bad luck. And then the boat sinks and she survives. 
and like all these good luck things happen and all the guys get captured bad. yeah she yeah. Get, they get Everybody captured else gets by captured. nazis she yep. survives yep and then she she literally makes it to berlin and through a series of circumstances pretends to be deaf and dumb in order to get a job as the cleaning lady in the in the building in which Hitler and Himmler yeah, and all ba- of them basically are in like out. The, in the headquarters of high command base of German yeah, high it's command good. base. I mean, it's it's funny. It's like I I when we were talking before the podcast, I referenced the new uh, Peter Farrelly picture, the greatest spirit <laughs> on ever, which is a true uh, based on a true story about a guy from Inwood who goes over to fucking Vietnam <laughs> to give his Vietnam his buddies a beer. <laughs> because they're fighting Vietnam. He gives his buddy some PBS. And Zach Efron plays the role. Who I've, who I've worked with and is lovely. Let me just say that. Efron, one of the nicest people I've ever worked with in that high echelon uh, uh, celebrity status. Lovely guy. And he goes over. He gives them a beer. He says, oh, <laughs> thanks for fighting for us. And then in the process realizes that this war is more complicated than he realized. Um, wow. But it's kind of like that. It's like she's she's so brazen yeah that of course she couldn't be hurt and then in in the in the midst of this she runs into counter spies who are pretending to be nazis but in fact like one is a german but who's anti-hitler and, and he's he, like working with the resistance and the underground yeah. and, and, yeah. and he's he's played by tom cruise and he's like have you heard of project valkyrie indeed yeah, yeah he's got and one she says, and, and, she, and she points to her ears and she says i i can't hear you pretending to be deaf and dumb and that's kind of i mean that's the premise and we, we don't need to give anything away i mean no I, I thought, it does have a great ending it and does I have a great it's one of those i think it's worth i would recommend it i do think it's worth watching so would i yeah i absolutely yeah i would say the high hierarchy goes obviously the crime without passion and then this yeah but but because she's so charming and so much fun to watch and she's truly eating the screen up this is a it's funny i was thinking about this while watching this this movie is the antithesis of your show because (laughs) this is her her lead like this is the only time it's it's like a weird inversion of the concept because it's it's she's the lead but she had never been that and i i don't think was really ever that i mean i'm but you know, I didn't. Not that I, I watched. Mean, I've seen all Bride the movies, counts, but right, because, Bride, Bride yeah, counts, but, but once again, she's not. She's, she's a title like, character, but she shows up literally for five no, minutes tops I, at the I end know, of the movie. But like, I guess well, and she, and she, but she's also amazing as uh, Mary Shelley herself at the beginning oh, yes, of the movie. Sure, yes, she sorry. she does the the bitchiest head nod in in that bit. Oh, it's where yeah, it's so good. Uh, where where the Byron. the guy playing Percy or our Lord Byron is like. You know, like, oh, who would have thought such a pretty face could think of such horrors? And she's like, I don't think so. Yeah. And, but meanwhile, she's got fucking, you can like hear the Kill Bill sirens kind of. Yeah, like, in her head. Like, like, you can hear has there exactly. ever been a dinner party that has generated more content? I guess, like, I guess, I guess, the, I guess the Algonquin tape, I guess, like, the Algonquin group, like, yeah. speaking of Ben and, Hex and stuff, like, I guess you could argue, like, you and know, then the, unfortunately, the Dorothy the Ma- Parker and all that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Dorothy Parker, the vicious circle. And then unfortunately the masters of horror dinners. Sure. Sure. But I mean, that one stormy night when Byron right. was like, let's all Which, make a scary didn't that story. All happen or because like of a volcanic eruption in Iceland. Right. So you listened to the Frankenstein episode of their mixed reviews. Very good. <laughs> uh, Very good. Right. It was like, so we basically have fucking geology yeah, to it, thank for the existence uh, of yeah, Frankenstein. There was, 
the the ex- the volcano explosion left the sky covered in ash and it basically destroyed that summer and so it became it, this dark winter for uh, an entire year mm. you know it was known as the year without a summer and and her and uh percy uh shelly and her her half sister or her stepsister claire claremont um go to lord byron's uh mansion in or his castle in uh it's all escaping me now but seriously go listen to the mixed reviews but they they go there and then lord byron pitches this contest and also um dr polidori is there and he writes the vampire but which for all intents and purposes later comes out that was a story started by um percy but uh, how interesting polidori got the credit for it and um yeah, and so like lots of stuff generates from this specific depressing gothic winter. Uh, if you do want to see a movie that's like very much not about it, but containing the characters, watch Ken Russell's Gothic. It's very. Mm. Good. I've always meant to watch. Is that is that Teresa Russell? No, uh, no, it's um. Oh poop! I can't think of the name of anybody that's in it. But I but, give but, me one second. No, but. yeah, yeah. But but I was gonna say. I mean, and we can um obviously. Uh, get back to the to passport uh, uh passport to destiny but but um but yeah i mean look that novel frankenstein or the modern prometheus for my money is like if you ask at any, at any I have given, four copies on i this, was gonna say it's my, and I, it's, I, my I favorite, like it's my favorite book i was yeah, gonna so. i was just gonna say if yeah. any given day if you asked me what my favorite book was i would give you don quixote or catch 22 or frankenstein right like i mean that's, god it's like we're the same people to me it's like those are the books <laughs> or basic white dudes i that, that could yeah. be part well, of it too i i feel I mean, like a lot i feel like a lot were of were we teenagers once sure, didn't right. we ever yeah. yell at our parents <laughs> but i, I didn't thing, have to be born but the <laughs> thing and i guess this is covered but the oh, thing that I think is why I, but, it's such a good book oh god anyway but the sorry, thing the on. thing the thing that i think people i and maybe i'm maybe i'm being this is probably i'm probably being silly here but the thing about the book the Frankenstein book is like, it is about God, right? Like I, that, and I, mean, I know, I yeah. know it, all of it's about God. I get it. Well, and it's, it's like about several things, things, dread, but yeah, right? Like, but the yeah, book itself yeah. is like, so, so directly about like, like if you could create life, like, wouldn't it make you crazy? And, and that must be, and I always take it to be like, and that must be why God lets all these terrible things happen because he must be losing it because of all this. Cri- and I always like, like she, she seems to really be searching for something in that novel. And yeah. I think it's like, not unlike Cervantes in a totally different way where he's like searching for a different thing, but it's like, literally like, what if, you know, what if I told a story this way? Or, but what if I told it this way? You know, what if, you know and it like, and it like, and it like unwinds, like while you're reading, it's similar. It's like a very fascinating uh, stuff. Um, as uh, as somebody who just got back from Spain, there's like 20 statues to Cervantes, and as not as enough. My boy, not as enough. my boyfriend Dan put it, God, you invent the novel, and nobody ever lets you forget it. <laughs> um, do you know? Do you know? Do you know? You must know the Cervantes. Do you know this like weird fact with the Don Quixote in the Spain? There's you know? so many. What, what, so so when, when the book comes out, right, and it's like the first, like you said, people people do credit it as being the first novel, at least in a Western sense, I guess, right? Um. There was this, this is apparently true. I mean, who knows? But um, there was this uptick that first year the book was printed of people falling out of windows to their injury or death. And it was because they would try to grab the light to keep reading the book 
because oh, they couldn't wow. put it down and they would lean out the window to catch as much light as possible and fucking fall. idiots yeah <laughs> is that not like the weirdest i mean who knows if that's true i, but, I love but, that uh, isn't that like a crazy if that's thing. true or not yeah that feels like a snapple fact level of truth but but i do <laughs> Whatever, like it. but i know but i i think it i like it i think I that's a it. cool little fact i like it i i will say up until the cervantes portion though that literally this was just the greatest commercial for the mixed reviews frankenstein and film episode so if you do not listen to the mixed <laughs> no, reviews you listen go to listen to our latest episode <laughs> yeah. uh because we talk all about this exact same thing we do even talk about the the god complex you know it's it's a novel about god what it means to be a god and if you are a god what is your responsibility yeah, and the best, your creation and what is your yeah, creation's the, responsibility to the you best is, thing the brana movie tries to do is do that oh, and it fails yeah but like but i do like that he it, it fails because kenneth brenna is already a god in his brain well, so he's yeah, like, i know what, what i yeah. would do yeah. he's, like, <laughs> he's like i would be fine at being he, he reads frankenstein he's like wait none of this is a problem <laughs> yeah he's like oh wait so this hubris, is exactly what's that? this is what i want to be exactly <laughs> oh, um man. anyway speak i guess hubris is the wrong word but uh <laughs> back to passport to destiny um as I mean, the, we don't need to say much more, right? I mean, it no, becomes, it, I think it becomes I, a crackerjack little thriller yeah, that, has, I, that has a great last few minutes. And I, as Gavin mentioned, like she's got such a wonderful presence. It, I, I mean, the thing it highlights for me, obviously, is like, wow, she should have just been a bigger movie star because she like certainly has the chops for it in terms of having an, a, com- a command of the screen. And um she kind of is, I think, what gets you through this. Not dis. I mean, I don't want to go down the fucking rabbit hole of like opinions on Forrest Gump, but it is the kind of thing like when you look at a Forrest Gump, part of the reason that movie's a success is just because fucking Tom Hanks is so such a charming movie right. star that it helps you power through just the, the the you know the the insanity of the movie, even if whether you take it as a satire or not. Some people do, some people don't. I won't argue that right now. But like this, I always think of I, I always think of Thelma Ritter when sure. Elsa yeah, Manchester yeah, no, 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 comes no. It's up. very very similar. I mean, also obviously someone who's like a tremendously amazing character actors. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, I but I think she's got such an affable, luminous quality about her in general, and I think this movie employs it to full effect. Um, so it's very much you know if you've seen other movies of hers. And you were like, what would it be like if she was just the star of a movie? Yeah. That's that's this movie. And it's great. I do think and I'm not knocking the movie for this because like who who knows? And it's, you know, whatever. But I was trying to think. I was like, what if like what if in like 2002 someone made a movie about a woman who's like, I'm going to go to Afghanistan and I'm going to like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, cause the, cause this comes out in 44. So it's not like it's like 10 years after the war or anything. Well, like well, right. Hitler's Angie, like still alive when the movie, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's still Angie, all happening. Angie did make a mighty heart in like, <laughs> Oh wait, I, I was, genu- I was like genuinely briefly convinced she was going to do it. And I was like, Oh, maybe there is this like lineage of films where this happened, where they're like, what and if we killed Hitler? Yeah. yeah. And like, then, I was like a then Tarantino's like, you know, obsession with that in, in Glorious Bastards. I was like, perhaps, perhaps there is a lineage to the, but no, 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 unfortunately. It is a, I will say there is a scene where she, she is in Hitler's office. Yes. And she sits down and she gives basically just almost a direct camera, like monologue about what she would say to Hitler if she had the chance. Yeah. Uh, and it's beautifully executed and it's a great scene. Um, and uh yeah anyway 
Good movie, Passport to Destiny. Very charming. Like we've talked about, it's got a really fun, great ending that we won't spoil because you should watch it. Um, and uh, and yeah, we we will for sure link to it as well. So next up, uh, we have Lon Chaney Jr. in Eyes of the Underworld as Benny. He's third build. He's sort of not in a ton of the movie. He's no, like he's not. He's really in like in he's in it. kind of like I would say a quarter of the movie. It's not. It's not he's like, in like a scene at the beginning and then the last 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He kind of, yeah, he's like pops up, you know, early on and then, and then he does sort of kind of propel the last 15 minutes of the movie from a plot standpoint. But yeah, one of the weirdest um, characters, <laughs> I mean, well, I guess we don't need to give it away, but like there's a torture scene that he architects. A great, and then a great scene, actually. Though. It's, great the, scene. it's probably the and best it, scene in the movie. And then at the end yeah. of the movie, it's like, he's a sticker. He gets, this guy. he gets the, it's he gets like the best so line. Weird. He gets the best line in that movie. And, and it's, it's clearly ADR'd. Yeah. It was, it killed me because I was like, that is the best no, line. No, it's the I best exactly line in the whole going. movie. And it, it goes to him and it's in that torture scene. He's, he's kind of a, he's like a good heavy in this movie basically yeah. is like what he is. I mean, he's well, no, just in terms of like, he's quote yeah. unquote working for the good guy, you know, like as opposed to whatever. Anyway, but he, um, he's torturing this guy and he walks off screen seemingly to go get his implements of torture. And right before the camera cuts, he says, you're going to, you're going to live a long time in the next few minutes. And it's like, yeah, great, oh, line. great line. So good. Now um, this movie's interesting. It posits, it posits the question. What if most cops weren't great? Interesting. <laughs> it is weirdly. It's it's not an amazing. It's not an amazing premise. movie. But I was sort of impressed with yeah. that level of it. Of like, oh, you wow, you're. Like, I mean, look, you talk about the Hayes Code, and I think with a lot of like these it's noir still propaganda, gangster pictures, but it does attempt to m- moderately yeah, do, unpack something. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you're getting. Look, I think you know, not unlike something like the Blue Dahlia or like uh, better known, you know, gangster slash noir pictures. You're getting like that subversive, you know, we're going to play in the sandbox of cops and robbers, but every once in a while, we're going to maybe ask a question and lodge a critique, you know, and that'll get us, and we'll still get into theaters, you know, it's like, but we will maybe put a little nugget in your brain about like, if all this is legit and like, does this system actually work? Right. You know, I, I, I think two things first well even even though you did say like he's third build and i might be wrong in this but because i just i watched it at the airport yesterday actually but the isn't he the only one with like an on-screen credit he like, is I mean, yeah he, like, no no they he clearly, like appears yeah they're like and lon cheney as you know yeah because they don't so this give is, the junior this is um this is sorry this is one year after the wolfman right yeah and it's not a, and so like they knew what they it, had and just yeah. just to put it in context right like that it's not like claude rains where it's like the movie he makes after because obviously with right. universal you know you're churning out five movies a year or whatever so technically this is like the fourth movie he makes after the wolfman but but to your point gavin yeah. they are clearly like put him on screen like we got it and even if you go to the poster like it's got him on there and it's like lon cheney in his most terrifying role yet and like i, I that's not necessarily true right but it kind of is a little true <laughs> like it is I sort will, of a kind of a creepy scary role but uh he's another one who like i feel like i'm being dour about all these people well um, they, most of I, them I, didn't I, have you, great right lives. and like, I, I think that's the thing is yeah. you know he um 
he was another alcoholic and he he had a lot of problems with that throughout his life and i think also um you know you live in the shadow of somebody who's considered a great actor but this is the thing people often forget this lon cheney isn't considered a great actor because of acting he's considered a great actor because of the links that he would go to to do shit to himself you know to for for the roles and and but i think in people's brain that conjures up like oh he's a brilliant actor and so lon cheney jr who didn't look like his father no not at all i think that's the other thing that people tend to forget he was this he's this he kind of got kind of got a little puffier obviously as time went on but i will say when you alcoholism when you (laughs) so his given name is is creighton when he yeah. was still credited as Creighton, because ultimately he basically kind of has to make the deal with Universal that they're like, look, we can't give you parts, but maybe if you take your dad's name, we can give you parts, right? right? And so th- that's what he ultimately does. And then he becomes so successful at some point that he loses the junior when he gets right. billed, right? So he just also gets credited as Lon Chaney. And, um, and, but the, and, and I think a lot of people are very critical of his acting because – there's just he gets cast in a lot of roles he shouldn't be playing yes you know he is yeah. he is a very blue collar like this is a good role no, for it's a perfect it's it, a perfect role and, for him yeah yeah this is this it also is kind of he we should note he became he, one of his big claims to fame is the uh is playing lenny in of mice and men he right. did it on stage in la and then ultimately he actually fun fact about that he they didn't want to give it to him Right. Um, and I forget the gentleman that they were going to get. They basically had already decided they wanted to give it to. It was Mini Drivers. Uh, it was Mini Drivers. Right. Right. They were going to give it to Mini Driver. No, but they, it was kind of like cancer. a Harrison Ford, Han Solo <laughs> type thing where they brought in Lon Chaney Jr. to screen test against everybody else for Of Mice and Men. And so by the time <laughs> they had finished the screen tests, they were like, oh, no, this dude, like we got to give it to him, basically. Right. And so that's how he got the role. And obviously it, he got like good notices for it. And no, no. So that Mini Driver did get beautiful. Beautiful, the Sally Field yes. picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop um, it. Uh, but, <laughs> the, uh, but, I, 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 the, the things I was getting to, though, the, the torture scene, um, I, I do want to say, and this is not defending his character because his character was pretty shittily racist in those scenes. Yes. But he he doesn't actually torture this guy. He does explain very quickly yeah, that yeah. what he did. Oh, was, in the next you know, scene, he, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like supposedly he's like threatening to pull this guy's fingernails. Yes. Off. Correct. And what he did is he's like, he's got a finger. He's got a hangnail on one of his fingers. And I just poked it a bunch of times till he came. Yeah. <laughs> and I love I love that idea that just like I'm going to torture you. Oh, poke, see, poke, it's, poke. Interesting. Tickle, 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 yeah. it's interesting because I didn't take that literally when he said it. Oh, yeah, I yeah. almost assume. So Richard Dix is the is the police chief that. Yeah, yeah that he's Lon like the sensible. He's kind yeah. of the gopher for basically is, is yeah. what he becomes. He's like an ex-con who Richard Dix put away. It's almost like the kind of thing that the Thin Man movies make jokes out of. Um, <laughs> you know how like fucking Nick and Nora just friends with all the people that Nick sent up the river kind of thing. Um Anyway, he Lon Chaney is like an ex-con that Richard Dix put away, who now is kind of just his his main man, sort of. And Richard Dix kind of kind of comes under the gun. He's the police chief, but then it comes out that he sort of got ties to the criminal underworld, and it's a thing he's not proud of, yada, yada, yada. And so as you know, as the powers that be are trying to kind of put a stop specifically to this ring that's like dealing in uh stolen car parts. Um he richard dix kind of 
gets into it and Lon Chaney has to help him out. That's the basic crux of the of the whole yeah. of the whole movie. And and like Dan mentioned, Lon Chaney kind of runs the back 15 of the movie because he's just sort Richard Dix is in prison and Lon Chaney's just running around torturing people. I, trying I, to I did appreciate that bit with his kid when his kid's like, you're not a jailbird dad, are you? And his dad's like you know, lots of people go to jail. No, that's that's the <laughs> so thing. And like, again, it's a low like, hey, it's like, a low bar, but it's like a weirdly progressive yeah. movie, all all things considered. Like for a movie that's basically like a a junior G man movie, or feel feels yeah. like one almost. Like it, uh, yeah. I don't know. I was certainly surprised by that. It. I don't think it necessarily like hangs together oh, yeah. dramatically it's great, in a way but... that's super compelling. I think Lon Chaney is the best part of the movie. To your point, the it feels like the right role for him. His name is Benny. I feel like that can't, I can't help but think that he, it's just because they were like, well, he played Lenny. And this is almost right. like a, you know, it's sort of a slightly less offensive version of the Lenny character, you know, almost. Um, but yeah. Is the Lenny, is the Lenny character in well, the just, offensive? I don't know. I, maybe offensive is the wrong word, but it's certainly like, you know, he's. It, yeah. I, I'd be curious to see how it holds up. I, I, I don't think it does very well. Yeah. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, I always read it as he, he like, it, it, he, uh, okay. I always read it as like he <laughs> suffered an accident, like, mm-hmm. right? And then he's just slow, right? But that's not, it, is that? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I feel like this is a whole conversation for a whole other episode, but I think it's also the implication that because he's differently abled, he's somehow dangerous. Yeah. And I, I think, think that I think yeah. that's really where the, the line comes down on. Yeah, like, I guess, I guess that, that brings uh, it. I mean, we, yeah, we don't need to get, and it. This, I guess, this, I guess my, but my point is, is this, this role kind of trades on a lot of those same things a little bit in terms of yeah. the implications. But does it go down that track the same way? You know, I, I would say if people do want to see a, a really good kind of later performance, uh, not later around the same time, 58 um, performance from Lon Chaney, especially those who don't think he's a good actor. Cause I do think he's a good actor. And I, I agree. I feel really, I feel really sad for him because he had a, you he know, had more, a fucking tough life. Yeah. Too. Like, m- not, more than the rest yeah. of them. Like he's very puppy doggish. Yep. And I think people are oftentimes not very nice about his acting style. And, and I think that, you know, the, I think he imbues a lot of sympathy to his Wolfman. He more than any of the other his performance monsters. in that movie is. Yeah. I do love the way he, he plays it's that so first Wolf Talbot. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. he feels cursed. He feels like a, a you know and uh, but I would say a great idea of what he can do as an actor is uh, the Defiant ones, the Stanley Kramer movie, which uh, is not. A, yeah, yeah, it's it's not the world's greatest film. I think it's hearts in the right place though. But he plays. That, a, can I just tell uh, you that 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 describes ninety percent of the movie Stanley Kramer. Made. So that's yeah. Stanley Kramer's career. It's yeah. like yeah. Exactly. it's okay. It's hearts in the right place. <laughs> right, <Stanley> exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, Lon Chaney Jr. plays this role of this guy who you know they they get caught essentially by a, a mob of people they they break into a, a place they're uh, sydney Poitier and tony curtis are men on the run from a chain gang and they they break into a place at one point and it's kind of gets very monstery movie where people show up with like pitchforks and are ready to lynch them and and lon cheney jr's like these are fucking people guys like what are you doing like, I mean, it doesn't matter what they did before this. Like, he's the reluctant sheriff in um, in High Noon. Yes. And he's I always v- forget about that. And he's very good in that, too. And he so it's not like he didn't have. I also think there's more than any of the other guy. I mean, you mentioned Karloff and Bella, which, you know, obviously being immigrants and and right. And that certainly bleeds into the performances that they're giving. Not dissimilarly. 
I mean, he had a like a kind of a brutal life. He literally was born almost stillborn. And again, right. this could be apocryphal, like who knows how true this is or whatever. But the way it gets told is that like he was born in Oklahoma, almost stillborn in like the middle of winter in a cabin. And so Lon Chaney basically takes him out to a lake and like dunks him under the water, like the freezing cold water in the middle of winter. And like he brings him back up and he's crying. Right. And he said like and he realizes he's like alive. Right. And it's like so that just is like it, it like almost this poetic sort of thing of like. Oh, yeah. OK, this is just how this dude's life is going to go. And like to your point, Gavin, he's, you know, he's living obviously in his father's shadow and he's kind of, you know. He's not the same kind of performer. He also doesn't have uh, he kind of loses the advantage that Lon Chaney had, which is to say, to your point, Lon Chaney also got a lot of praise for design the, the makeup design that he would do rightly so right, right. Like he 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 made incredible f- constructions as a as a makeup artist and with wolfman specifically uh junior you know designs his own stuff as well but that happens to kind of coincide with the rise in you know unionization in different departments right. and whatever and he's not allowed to do that anymore so basically he can't even directly follow in his dad's footsteps kind of even if he wants to and like you said he's not you know he's just they're not the same kind of performer that said i think eyes of the underworld does capitalize on like another version of a role he kind of also got typecast into when he wasn't in the monster movies um which is just sort of as a lumbering heavy in in gangster movies the um, saddest thing that happens in his entire career is in the 50s they do a live televised frankenstein oh god yeah, yeah i saw a thing and about that and it he's is so drunk that he, he thought, thought it was a rehearsal yeah, he thought it's a re- and then you can see and he doesn't break any of the props he like you know yeah. lifts a chair and like sets it back yeah, down because he doesn't want to break which, the props because he, he thinks right, it's a rehearsal like, in a way is like yeah, yeah. it's rehearsal and I had a copy of it. I had a copy of it on DVD. Um, it's not fun to watch. And allegedly there was a kid like he apparently he he would hide uh, alcohol and makeup bottles in his yep. dressing room. And, and apparently there was a kid who like so came into his dressing room while he was drinking from one of these bottles. And the bottle said spirit gum. And kid, the kid asked what it was. And he was like, oh, it's a new kind of spirit gum. This one works from the inside. <laughs> oh and, god like it's just like yeah it's the saddest <laughs> so shit sad. but no he was in a movie called calling dr death where he plays a doctor it's almost it's almost like a proto fugitive kind of he plays <laughs> a doctor whose wife gets murdered and he has to clear his name basically um and i won't spoil who did it but he's pretty good in it um and it's a good uh it's a kind of a fun little movie can i spoil, if, can i spoil who did it Sure. Was it the one armed man? Mini mini driver. <laughs> oh, it was mini driver. <laughs> yes. How could I how could I forget? No, but um yeah, I don't know. He's a fascinating dude, Lon Chain Jr. Like I I I think like I said, it's not dissimilar to the other ones. I think his background kind of just really gives you an interesting but very sad context into the guy. And that unfortunately is kind of a theme with a lot of these folks. I think that's a good segue to our last one. Um Ben Chapman, uh, who is all kind of all I was going to say better known, but kind of only known as one half of the of <laughs> Gilman from Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, and the other half of that uh, is a gentleman. I'm going to get his name pronunciation wrong. Uh, his name's Riku Browning. I actually think that's right? pretty correct. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll be honest. Uh, Riku Browning. 
he was Gilman underwater. He, by all accounts, kind of had a more successful actual yeah. career because he pivoted to directing and he stunt, directed all the underwater work. sequences in uh, Thunderball and he directed all of them in Never Say Never Again. And I'm trying to I th- think also Cat- 20,000. <laughs> uh, no, that was Mini Driver. Oh, that's yeah. me, Trevor. Uh, no, I think also 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. He was Thank also, you. He I didn't want to have to jump in and say that. He was, also, directed those. <laughs> he was also a featured stunt diver in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Uh, but we're not talking about him. So <laughs> so our, our last monster is uh, Ben Chapman. He, like I said, was the creature in Creature from Black Lagoon. And he was his only other. He had a couple TV credits to his name. His only other film credit is a very brief role in what dan mentioned before one of the many jungle gym movies in this it's not technically jungle gym it's john right. it's johnny weissmuller as johnny weissmuller but um but same series of movies basically this one is called jungle moon men um and ben chapman shows up quickly as the son of an african tribal chief who is killed by essentially this murderous tribe of little people um and that's moon men yes they keep they they call the moon now the moon men feels i will say for a while i was like are they just calling them moon men because they're little people but it actually does have a contextual reference yeah Yeah. they they ultimately answer it so i was at least relieved by that but you get a little um, magic in this the coolest part about this movie is all the real animals Yes, I would agree. Basically, it's... I mean, it's probably was not good for the animals. No, not 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 at all. Um, but it's just cool to be on film. It's the 15th Jungle Gym movie. Um, oh, okay, sorry. 15th. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah. But the second Johnny Weissmuller. Yes. Movie, yeah, where, <laughs> where he just where plays I love, himself. But what I love is he, at one point, he was like, no, 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 don't call me Jim. It's going to throw me off. Like, no, because right. yeah, he, he played Jungle Jim in all of them. Right. right, and then and, and, and then at the end they're like, you, you think he just went to the bruisers and be like, look, man, just call here, me my name. Yeah, here's I the thing to too. Remember. It's such a weird... he's a horrible, truly awful actor. Who yeah, he was a, he was an, he was an Olympian, right? An Olympian who right. became famous uh, as Tarzan. Yes, yes, yeah, and yeah. Then, and, and, and this was yeah. and this was his attempt to capitalize on that without having to don the the loincloth. He's he's wearing the the, the yes. thing is Jungle Jim. The character goes actually back to the comic strips. It was created by King Features Syndicate Media, which is um, the the same comic book company that created the Phantom and Mandrake oh. the Magician. And uh, so he like has sadly like kind of a rich uh, racist comic book history that um, that has now been the, the edges have been softened and I, mm. I will say there was a great miniseries a couple of years back um called um king comics that was um the phantom flash gordon jungle jim mandrake the magician and prince valiant all meeting up as like a superhero team oh, and do they, they I sla- i'm assuming that. they slam evil slam evil uh, they do slam evil i love quite it a bit. and love um it. yeah and, and so uh so like there is like a history to this character. Unfortunately, none of that is in this movie. And I, I will say it. I, I I'll be upfront with your audience as I was with you. I turned it off as soon as as soon as I saw our, our poor guy Ben die. I was like, yeah, oh, I'm not okay, gonna lie. Cool. Like, it, it, yeah, I mean, I was like, and, and we race is pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And, and basically, they you know they a few more of them get abducted by this tribe. They ultimately follow them back to this temple. 
you sort of learn that there is this high priestess who worships the goddess of the moon. That's where the moon men thing comes from. Class. Um, and the reason that she's played by the the old man from Moonstruck. No, I thought she was played by Minnie Driver. <laughs> yeah, no, and also yeah, Minnie Driver. Driver. No, no, no. It's, it's Minnie Driver's father plays the right. role. His name is Minka Driver, as we all yes, know. and he just keeps saying um, La Luna. <laughs> he says, he says, return to me, beautiful, good <laughs> Old man, if just you feed that weird, dog anymore of my food, I'm gonna just the I'm weirdest gonna, bits we've just decided <laughs> to death. double down on. Um, you know, go watch Moonstruck, everybody. What a honestly, classic yeah. that movie is. I saw it in a theater a couple of years ago. It was great. <laughs> um. So yeah. So basically, and what Dan was referring to, you know, there's a there's a a Kimba, a chimp that is heavily featured. Um, has more screen time than our uh, than our subject here, Ben Chapman. Um, but they realize when they get to this temple that Ben Chapman was killed because he was supposed to sort of be the high priest in this temple, sort of this permanent honor. And he refused the honor. And so they killed him because, you know, whatever, it's part of the deal. So while they're there, they get trapped. They almost get killed by lions. That sequence. That's a cool. A, part. Again, cool that, part. like again, the, the way they're shooting all that stuff with the live animals. Very cool. Not dissimilar to like, you know, the the kind of thing you'd get out. I mean, it's a way better movie, but what you'd get out of watching like King Solomon's Mines or something like that. Um, heavily featured in all these kinds of movies. Just I feel like obviously the live animal thing was always a big part of it. Um, I do think. Yeah, but again, like it's just, you know, like we said before, there's like a level of just offensive content. You kind of just <laughs> just comes with the territory given the time. So that's a whole thing. I, and my for my money, it, if you're going to put up with that, you may like at least watch Gunga Din. You know what I mean? Like at least watch something that's like a really good adventure movie with like a similar kind of uh, story structure um, at the very least. Um, so, yeah, I would not certainly not recommend Jungle Moon Men. But I don't know if you're a Jungle Gym completionist and you've watched the other 14 uh, it's on YouTube. I, I more so wanted to use this as a springboard to kind of talk about Ben Chapman because it, it is just, you know, I, I have to wonder. It, is it just he never because like you mentioned off mic, Dan, I mean, a handsome guy, you know, like, yeah, handsome guy. And and who's to say whether what his capabilities as an actor were. Right. But but that I didn't you know, I didn't read, you know, I didn't read up enough on him I in terms of i couldn't it, yeah, find, find i couldn't find about. a ton you know outside he, of references he died to him you know he died in 79 right so he yeah. lived a, a full life no he was in the korean war right he yeah he is i'm reading the wikipedia so he's believed to have earned a silver star or i guess or and or a bronze star and two purple hearts for battle injuries and i'm seeing the sources here i think well uh, yeah actually in some of the obits and whatnot you have that reference so um oh but then i guess there's some counterclaims to that that's interesting so i mean like i think there's that and then i guess it says here he ultimately became a real estate executive in yeah his and later he kind life. of to, to my knowledge i mean he you know he he certainly wasn't shy about having been gilman like he was very proud of that like loved his loved the fans like was always ready to engage with them I mean, I'll say this, um, and I know this is not a popular take, or maybe it is. I feel like I've said this before. 
It's my favorite Universal monster movie. I love the creature. I, what, I what's funny though is that that does yeah. that does make a lot of sense to me, given your just tastes and proclivities, because it's also yeah, it's not b- more movie. of a straight up adventure movie than anything yeah, exactly. else. You know? I mean, that's why. Um, I mean, that's why I like it more. And I even watched. I've been yeah. doing just for just throughout October. I've been doing like Universal monster inspired weeks of programming. And during my Gilman inspired week, I watched the two sequels, um, Revenge of the Creature and The Creature Walks Among Us. And Riku Browning reprises the role, which does make more sense because it just feels like they were like, no, we need the skill set. Like we need the dude who can like swim in that costume and, and whatever. But but Ben Chapman doesn't come back. It's He's only the creature um, in that first movie, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, I also think part of that, if if I'm judging that performance, like Riku Browning is kind of the star because when you look at the right. way he decides to move his body underwater and he does all these sort of balletic things to kind of evoke something that's like otherworldly or, or inhuman, um, that, that it all comes out underwater as opposed to any of the stuff on land. Not that any of that is obviously Ben Chapman's fault, but I do think having to have that kind of it's I think it's two things, right? It's sort of the reason maybe he never really landed is, as we mentioned, we're already kind of past the prime of the Universal Monster movies, right? It's sort of the last one that comes out. Um, yeah, obviously they keep recycling the properties and when they come back out in the sixties and stuff and air on television as bulk programming and stuff, they gain a whole new audience. But in terms of them churning out new properties within that whole cottage industry, this is sort of the last big one, uh, creature from the black lagoon and he's in a mask and he's only technically right. half the character. And they did the thing where they're like, yeah, you can't, we can't let you take credit for being Gilman. It has to be, right. well, it that, has to be a real thing. monster. I mean, right. Like, I think that's the, I think that's the main, main, main thing as to why his career never took off afterwards is because universal was very specific about the fact that they didn't want it to be seen as a man in a suit. Yeah. They wanted it to be, you know, and so you don't have that human face. You don't have, a Karloff or Lugosi or Cheney or even Elsa Lanchester to like look Still at and be to, like, yeah, a hundred percent. And it's a and great, so, perf- to be clear, like, oh, I it's a wonderful, it's, that monster it's a, performance. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a very human performance, yeah. but Universal wasn't interested in people looking at the monster and being like, that's a guy in a costume. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, I, I think that's all to say it, it does make sense kind of maybe in a certain realm that why it never really happened for him to a degree. Um, Again, not not unlike I said with Elsa Lanchester too. Like, who's also to say if that's a thing? He, you know, right? I, like, who's to say how much he even attempted to try and be like a a, a leading actor of any uh, of any kind? But um, I mean, that kind of caps us off. Um, like I said, I mean, a couple other things I watched around all these that I just really liked the Val Luton Karloff movies. I would highly recommend. Like I said, um. I watched a couple, you know, maybe not amazingly made, but certainly in, you know, 101 level interesting documentaries on a few of these actors. We can link to those as well. Um, and and that kind of just ga- gives you some fun context uh, or sad context, depending on who you're talking about. But um, any kind of final thoughts on each of these folks as we sort of wrap up? I mean, I, I guess the, the thing I would take away is that, like, you know, a lot of these people, they, they get tied to a role in a way that, um, you know, people fear typecasting. Mm. And, I, and I feel like for a lot of them, that 
occurred. Um, but, but I think part of it is obviously the context of both the time and the structure of Hollywood as well, too, because, you know, we didn't even talk about the studio system. So sure, a lot of sure. these people had to had to work on the the projects that were handed to them or risk, you know, not working, which was so much worse. Sure. And uh, yeah, so I, I think it's uh, really, you know, it, it may seem like a lot of them ended kind of in a like a bummer sort of way. Uh, but I, I think they, you know, they should be proud of the the things that made them famous and uh and and these universal monsters that have stood the test of time unfortunately it has left you know some of these other projects which once again you know we said we you know two out of six that we actually really liked uh i four out of six that are pretty watchable yeah agreed. Um, yeah and uh and so like i think you know had had they been in a freer time and a freer system you know, I, I I think they they would have, especially people like Karloff and, and Elsa Lanchester, they they would be more, um, more well known. Though I guess like once again, Claude Rains, Elsa Lanchester, great careers. Yeah, they kind of uh, got they and even yeah. Karloff found his like right. found his moments of like of sort of true thespianism, if you want to say it. You know, like he, I think he he found ways to break out. Um, in a way that I don't think, you know, obviously Bella or Ben or Lon right. did, did quite as much, which is, which is unfortunate, but um, Dan, any, any general final thoughts? No, I think Gavin said it all perfectly. I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to defer to defer to that. <laughs> I, I, I do want to say in terms of Karloff, I think the, the best thing, my favorite thing still ever said about him is, you know, he was discovered sitting in the in the canteen by James Whale. James Whale saw him, saw the striking features that he had, and he walked over to him and he said, your face has possibilities. <laughs> and I, think is, that's- <laughs> I mean, maybe one of the most interesting faces. It's kind of funny, yeah. too, because it's like I mentioned Arsenic and Old Lace, right? And it's like. They just replaced him in Arsenic and Old Lace with Raymond Massey, who's like the other dude who has the most yeah. interesting face. <laughs> just, just a big face. Yeah, like just a <laughs> just a strong, fucking interesting, uh un- unforgettable face. So um no, I I, I loved doing this because I love this era of Hollywood. I love all of these kinds of movies. They're all kind of totally my jam. So this was a lot of fun to do. I hope, listener, you had fun listening to it um so as we wrap up gavin tell us uh, what's coming up on the mixed reviews and where can people find you awesome so we got a a lot of fun stuff coming up uh our next episode will be out next week at some point it's going to be sigourney weaver and so even though we did we were like we're only doing one halloween episode this year it's kind of like a a long yeah she's a screen queen sure she's a screen queen exactly um and uh coming up after that uh, i i i don't want to say too much but if you are a patreon member you will know our next person after that is going to be somebody i think people are going to love that episode and we're going to have a couple great guests for that and also um funny enough louie and i were asked to host the bowery film festival so louie and i are going to be hosting that starting in mid-november awesome um, i believe it i believe it runs the 17th through the 21st uh, but I can get more information on that if you listen to the mixed reviews. And yeah, Louie and I are very excited to be the the kind of like intro guys for, so for cool. this very strange film festival. And so it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. 
That's no, awesome. Man. Yeah, no, that's so cool. We'll uh, we'll look out for. I'll try and uh, I'm going to try and make it to some of those then. That's definitely that's super cool. So, I mean, the the entrance, the the people that uh, the films that are being made, like it's definitely like a kind of wave of the future film festival. It's a it's a lot of interesting, cool, innovative stuff, and excited to be part of it. That's awesome. Um, well, thank you for for joining us, and uh, we always appreciate it. Come back anytime, and Dan. Where can people find you? Yes. Well, thanks, Gavin. And yeah, you can always find me, DJ Mac, on Twitter, writing reviews uh, at the film stage. And uh, Connor, I'll pass it to you to finish this up. Yeah, no. Uh, you can uh, find me on on Twitter as Scruffy Looking. You can find this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFSB Side. Uh, if you like what you've heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. We very much appreciate it. Um, and uh, if you have any questions, comments, and concerns, you can shoot us an email at bside at thefilmstage.com. Uh, we have the rest of our audience choice to get through. Um, so so keep a lookout for those as they as they happen. Um, and uh, and that's about it. Uh, once again, as usual, thank you to Adam Blotner for our theme music. Uh, and until next time, just remember, even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is Listening to the B-Side